The following content is strictly designed for the enjoyment of a mature adult audience. Headphones are recommended as these stories are recorded in left-to-right dimensional stereo. Welcome to All the Filthy Details, the erotica community's most valuable podcast. We love the feedback we got from our last episode. We only release one public podcast monthly, but you're always there for it on release day. What's exciting for us is that we never know who will take the plunge next and become the next independent erotica author we end up endorsing. If you love reading or listening to erotica, this is for you. But if you write it, and want more people to discover your work, this podcast is also for you. Talking about what we do here, Valentine has been and gone. Who are firmly on the run into steak and blowjob day. Vegans, don't switch off. We really don't care for the steak. <laughs> Let's talk about today's episode. Christian Pan interviews erotica author Simone Blue. Also on Filth, the erotic book review, we'll be scrutinizing books written by Sean Geist, L.T. Richards, and Cody Montgomery. First, let's start with an excerpt of something new, which is only available on our Patreon. This is from Lustful Layovers, written by Lily of the Gutter. Enjoy. This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. Yet, there I was. I'm Robert, by the way, he said holding out his hand after we'd called the building maintenance. Pleasure, I replied through gritted teeth, then said my name. Looks like we're stuck here for a while together. It does. We should make the most of it, he said. Tell me about your flight, he prompted, leaning against the mirrored wall. I leaned against the wall opposite him. There's not much to tell, really. Came back from New York. The usual business types on the plane, I said. Business types, hmm? All suited up and rude? Robert asked, his voice suddenly much deeper than before. I wasn't overly flirty, but something in his expression made me want to play this game and see where it would take me. Rude, yes, and naughty. You wouldn't believe what one of them said to me today, I replied, my voice rough and husky. Try me. I repeated what one of them had said, word for word. How he'd fuck me on the toilet. How he'd satisfy me. How he'd make me scream his name while I gushed around his cock. I had to decline, of course, I'm not risking my job, I stated as an afterthought, like I hadn't done it before. Of course, but you wanted to, didn't you? The doctor asked. I swallowed hard. Suddenly, he was next to me leaning down, caressing my cheek with a finger. You wanted to, you dirty, beautiful little thing. You wanted to let him bend you over and fuck you senseless, didn't you? I see how you clench your thighs. Your nipples are straining against your blouse. And I bet you're soaking through your panties right now, he whispered, his lips brushing against my ear. I shivered. One of his hands pinned me against the wall while the other crept up my thigh under my skirt. I broadened my stance without thinking. The hand under my skirt reached my panties. I sucked in a shaky breath. Robert chuckled darkly. 
His fingers stroked over my covered, wet core. As I said, soaking through your panties, I can help you with that if you like, he offered. He pulled back from my neck to look at my face while the hand, not busy with my wetness, grabbed a breast and pulled it from my bra and my blouse. Yes, help me with that, I moaned in a whisper. Very well. Let the doctor make it better, he murmured before kissing me roughly. It all happened so fast. His tongue conquered my mouth, playing with my own before he withdrew and nipped at my lower lip with his teeth. The hand at my breast tweaked my nipple, almost hard enough to be more pain than pleasure, but only just. The hand between my legs roughly pulled my panties to the side, fondling my wet lips and then palming my core. Hands to the rail, he mumbled against my mouth, and I complied, holding on to the handrail that went all around the walls of the elevator. I was facing the mirrored wall, and in the dim emergency light I could make out my wide-eyed look, as well as my already debauched appearance. My back was bent, my skirt pushed up over my ass. He smacked me once on each cheek, making me yelp and himself laugh. I felt him pull down my panties. I stepped out of them obediently. He positioned my legs a bit further apart, then moved between them. I heard his belt and the zipper of his pants, and then he breached me without warning, without further preparation. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> we enjoy providing you with erotic content for free, but understand that the most responsible place for our explicit erotica is behind an age-restricted paywall. That's why we utilize Patreon, SoundCloud, and Spotify to host our premium content. Our subscription price is as low as the cost of a cheap cup of coffee, granting you access to all of our creations instead of the measly single credit you receive monthly from the top audiobook platform. Don't hesitate any longer. Join our Patreon today. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Hot Erotica Works to Look Out For Strangers When We Meet by Christian Pan We delve deep into Anne's life and personal connections before she encounters Christian, witnessing the passionate beginnings of their ethically non-monogamous relationship. We witness Anne's exploration of her sexuality with both men and women in brief yet intense encounters. We also follow Lee as she eagerly anticipates indulging in some adult fun with her longtime friend Christian with Anne. As the trio returns home after a night out in Greenwich Village, the stage is set for Anne's sultry fantasies to come alive. Reclaiming His Rights by Eleanor Nix Jason mistakenly believed he had to give up the dominant submissive dynamic in their marriage for his wife's sake. Now he realises that letting go of Lila's submission was a huge mistake. Despite thinking he had rejected her for months, she remains silent about it. Fueled by a burning desire to win her back, he knows he must first break down her resistance before he can regain her trust. Links to these titles can be found in the description. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. <laughs> it's time for our spotlight on erotica authors. This month, we have a real treat for you quality erotica lovers. We're talking to the talented writer of Broken Bots and Tempting Texts, the star recommendation winning author, Megan Landon. Hi, Megan. Hi, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. 
Last month, we awarded your book, Broken Bots and Tempting Texts, our star recommendation for the episode. What was the inspiration behind this unique title? The story started as a short for Valentine's anthology with the Erotica Consortium, but it went rogue, so I ended up not submitting it. And then I spent the past year working on it. So over the past year, it just went through a lot of iterations from Valentine's themes to Spring Festival um, setting. And so the names kept changing. I called it everything from a love bot Valentine, the broken bot, my tempting tech, some random names I can't remember, but they all felt wrong. Either the titles, the titles just weren't descriptive enough. The focus wouldn't, would be on the human relationship and not the robotic part. So it would lose the futuristic element or the reverse. So I ended up going with both. It's a mouthful, but I think it captures the significant elements so that the sci-fi-ness of it is clear and the reader has an idea of what to expect. How would you describe the style for our listeners discovering Megan Landon for the first time? What are some of the things you like to put consistently in your books? I love this question since it's something I've spent time thinking about. In terms of my writing style, I try to be succinct and straightforward. You know, I don't like to be overly descriptive while giving just enough to draw the reader in um, and take them through a broad range of sensations. I want the reader to be present, so I try to strike a balance between flowery language and language that means something. Um, Every word has a reason for being in the text. Uh, I don't want readers tripping over vocabulary or complicated prose that might pull them out of the scene. So I strive for a crispness and a clarity that's subtle. Um, So I think that, I want to say that defines my style. Um, And also in terms of content, I'm really drawn to natural elements. So my writing leans heavily into nature and natural sciences. Even in space, my settings always conjure um, some kind of greenery in one way or another, whether it's, you know, something centered around a festival or a terraformed asteroid. And then... I love writing outdoor fucking scenes, um, so there's always that. It took me a while to realize that I layer nature into my stories. It wasn't a conscious thing. I do it sort of intuitively, so so it will. There will always be some element, whether it's the theme, a plot, a setting, right? Even sometimes a political background. One of my recent sci-fi stories touches on nature on Earth as a background theme. That's just fun for me. Um, I've always done that intuitively, so I've really started to embrace that aspect of my writing. Um, In fact, that's what led me to my tagline, Romance of Natural. I'm really enjoying how that double entendre captures my style. Earlier in February, we saw you did some promotional work with your books in Kansas City. How was that experience for you? Do you plan to attend similar events? Fantastic. I got to meet avid readers of romance and other authors. It was really energizing for me. Um, I forget how lonely writing can be until I'm out there with fellow book lovers and writing enthusiasts and professionals. I definitely plan to attend more. Um, In April, I'm attending the Seattle Erotic Arts Festival. I got a short story accepted in their anthology. It's not an author signing, but I will be reading some of my work. Um, I'm really excited. 
and I'm meeting a few collaborators with the Erotica Consortium. I'm really looking forward to that event. And in October, I'm attending Flirty in Tampa. That is an author signing, and I'm really looking forward to meeting um, readers. And I've already lined up events for 2025. I'm confirmed for Flirty in Kansas City again, getting witchy with it in New Orleans, um, getting witchy with it in Old Salem, Mass, um, Dreaming Dirty in Michigan, and I'm waiting to get confirmation on a couple others. Those dates are posted on my web, my event schedule page on my site. It's very easy to find. I did really enjoy interacting with readers in Kansas City. I, it was such an enthusiastic community, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with more readers and creatives. Were we under the impression that you're a huge fan of art? Have we got this right? Wow, you did your research. Um, I think so. Mostly literature, but I appreciate art in general. I'm a linguist and I've studied anthropology. So not just formal literature, but I'm really drawn to storytelling, verbal art, performance art, oral traditions, um, and, and, and really the art of, of writing also. Um, always have been since I was young. Um, the arts, all the arts, allow us to see each other and share ourselves. So yes, I try to recognize art everywhere, um, historic and contemporary, but also music, visual, spoken or written. I guess I'm just really drawn to all the colors and textures of people's lives and all the ways they get represented. Um, people's capacities for creativity is amazing. And I try to see that wherever I can. In your book, Broken Bots and Tempting Texts, you paint a picture in which humankind relies heavily on technology to get themselves off. Is this what you see for our future? Yes and no. I think people have always and always will look for a way to get themselves off. Um, if you've ever been in a sex museum, you've seen all the ancient dildos and all the technologies for doing that. I mean, you see it everywhere. Um, Throughout history, sex is represented in the margins of ancient texts etched by monks. Erotic literature is seen everywhere from the Kama Sutra to European texts from the Renaissance and earlier, as well as statuary from cultures all over the world. I mean, it, sex is a driving force in nature. Um, so in the future, absolutely. I also think trends are cyclical. Different cultures throughout history address sexuality in different ways. There's there's no doubt that technology will be used in the future and its use will coincide with whatever social pressures, oppressive or supportive, might influence sexual practices. I don't see this specific scenario of broken bots playing out in the future, but that's the fun of science fiction, you know? Um, speculating on all the possibilities. That's why I'm really drawn to it. Who are some of your favorite characters that you've written? All of them. I'm learning how to be tougher on them. I keep wanting to write dark, gritty erotica, but I end up unable to abuse my characters. Um, I'm trying though, I'm working on it. One character or a couple that I particularly love is the Spice Merchant and her husband in my fantasy solstice story. Um, the Spice Merchant and the Glassmith. It's, uh, it's in the holiday anthology, Naughty and Spice. Cassie is a traveler who trades in herbs and spices from all over the world, and her husband Heron, the glassblower, is a homebody. Um, I love the dynamics of these two characters, her independence and her appreciation of her solitude. She was fun to write because she's a thinker and she's an adventurer. And I loved writing Heron because he, they're similar in that he's also a thinker and he's an introvert in his own way, but he's a homebody. So they're different in terms of how their personalities manifest in the wild. 
I enjoyed developing their characters and their backgrounds. He's a homebody who's forced to travel. She's a free spirit that's forced to stay home. Um, right now, those two characters are my favorite, but it might be because they're the ones I've most recently written. I tend to hate the characters while I'm writing them, probably because they keep changing their minds about who they want to be. These two will appear in future stories I've got planned. Um, the story, that story is part of a bigger world, so I'm really excited to revisit them later. We've noticed you only follow a few creative peers. Is there a reason behind this? There are several, but it's not strategic. It's mostly because of circumstances. Um, they're all different social platforms. Blue Sky, Twitter, TikTok, Insta, Facebook. I'm still figuring out which I'm most at home using. So far, I enjoy all of them for different reasons and the different people I meet. But using all the different platforms limits my ability to engage. Uh, so I'm still figuring all that out. Yeah, they tell you early on to find your preferred channel, and really, I'm still experimenting. I also see myself as cultivating a community. Wading into social media can be stressful with all the negative messaging, so I've taken my time about getting to know people. I want to cultivate a safe space for myself and my community, so I always have that in mind. Then there's everything involved with indie publishing. Writing, editing, revising, studying writing craft, time spent critiquing, beta reading and collaborating with other writers. So designing covers, web design, newsletters, marketing, engagement, branding, distribution, sales, accounting, event planning, audio production, all the stuff. There's just so much stuff. Um, there's just so much to stay on top of. And I'm a homemaker, which takes priority over everything. Um, and part of that is all the volunteering. I volunteer in garden education and other programs, so I try to be disciplined about how much time I spend on social media. Um, so if I'm not following a lot of people, it's a combination of being spread thin and being cautious about putting myself out there. I'm working on engaging more. But I do feel more comfortable cultivating an organic presence and being thoughtful about how I do it. Yeah, I guess I'm cultivating relationships, and uh, it's really still early in in this process, but I'm in it for the long haul, so I want to be deliberate and, and thoughtful about how I, how I proceed. Do you read erotica? If so, who are some of your favorite creatives? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, but it's random, and my reading is very erratic. I haven't followed any one person in a long time. The genre has exploded, and there's a lot to choose from now. Um, I mean, there always was a lot to choose from, but especially lately with just explosion of indie publishing um, in the past well, more than a decade. But I straddle the line between steamy romance and erotica um, since I have a preference for happily ever afters. And there's so many writers, all with beautifully unique voices, that I find myself just kind of following the flow and reading whatever I come across. I used to pick up anthologies all the time, all the time when I read in print. I used to read Remittance Girl regularly. I think she was the one that got me into dark erotica. That was, I want to say that was 15 years ago, I think. Um, she's publishing under her real name now. I don't, I don't follow her like I used to. Um, not because I don't want to, but just because there's, there's just a lot of literature out there. Um, I will always be a fan of Remittance Girl. Um, I'm a fan of different genres, monster fucking, vampires, shifters, dark mafia, dystopian future, zombies, aliens, I'm kind of all over the place. 
traditional authors that come to mind are Kat Valenti, um, Grace Goodwin, especially her Interstellar Bride series is a lot of fun. Evangeline Anderson's work is just fun. I do read a lot of indie work, mostly online, and I've been meeting more and more authors, collaborating with authors whose work I enjoy. Olivia Lawless, who organized the Erotica Consortium, um, who I collaborate with. Her her Alien Zoo series is really fun. Um, the writer Sai has fun, quirky, paranormal stories that often include gender bending. Clea and Tala Salar stories are hilarious and otherworldly. Demons and faith fucking with engaging characters. Um, Sophia Giaconda writes sweet stories. She plays with subtle power dynamics and her settings are international and magical and, and fun, always fun. I love her languaging. She's a kindred spirit. Carrie Grant writes some edgy, emotionally conflicted BDSM, contemporary, um, non-magical um, that I'm aware of. Uh, and his stuff usually centers around music, so that's always interesting. Christian Penn I love. His work is edgy and interesting. There's so many. Scarlet Winter, Saddle Tramp, 1956, Ian Smith. All of their work is captivating. Um, and I'm discovering new authors every day. So it's, it's quite an exciting um, genre to be a part of. Can you read an exclusive preview of something unreleased you're working on? Oh, I would love to. Um, here's something from The Wanton Witch and The Longest Night, which just came out in audio and Kindle Unlimited. Bronwyn. I wake when the other two gods enter the cottage, shirtless and barefoot. Ray's is cradled in my arms with his head resting on my breast, the top of his head barely poking out of the blankets. I form a silent shh with my lips, and the gods move quietly in the room. Whirlwind's long, dark hair is tied at the nape of his neck. Blizzard's bald head is covered with a wool cap, which I don't understand since he's mostly naked anyway. With a wave of his hand, Whirlwind fans the fire and it roars to life. Blizzard stirs a, the oatmeal that appears in the hearth. The god in my arm stirs and kisses my nipple before sliding the covers down to reveal my naked breasts for all the gods in the room. He greets his friends in a rusty voice when he sees them. Brothers. Then he wraps his arms around me and nuzzles against my breasts again. Whirlwind tilts his head at Ray's. Hungry? We're famished, Ray's answers for both of us. And thirsty. Blizzard hands me a crystal goblet of water and I bring it to Ray's lips. He shifts and leans back to sip his appreciative eyes on me as he drinks. The sweetness in his trusting gaze stirs warmth in my chest. Whirlwind says, so you found him. He shares a look with Blizzard I can't decipher. The blankets slip further down to my navel as Ray's sips, but I feel no shame in front of my gods. I'm comfortable around all of them, even Ray's, whose fingers graze my nipple. A flush courses through my body as the two gods watch Ray's attentions, and I feel a familiar tingle between my legs. You're feeling better, I ask my patient. A little, he croaks, woefully, despite his quenched thirst. He rests his head back on my breast as he continues to trace a line around my puckered nipple. The covers drop further to my hip, exposing my thigh. Oatmeal, Blizzard asks. Ray shifts slightly but doesn't move himself from between my legs. The blanket is shifted to reveal his bare ass and leave me exposed. But a warm breeze blows through the room and the weight of his body is a comfort. Blizzard sits on a stool next to the bed and brings a spoonful of oatmeal to my lips. Raise first, I say. 
Whirlwind scoffs and Blizzard smiles. He can wait. You need to eat, my little witch. I take a bite, and he raises another to my lips. My little healer, Ray, says, She rescued me last night, or this morning. I don't know. He was freezing in a cave when I found him, and I brought him home, I say. Witch, Blizzard says, shooting another look to Whirlwind, as if once again he's made his point. She's my little wanderer. Whirlwind says as he watches Ray's hand graze a line from my breast down my side to rest on my hip. And her name is Bronwyn. Rather than jealousy, I see heat in his eyes. Well, our little witch brought me back from the brink. Whirlwind laughs at this, and Blizzard chuckles as he raises another spoonful to my lips. What's so funny, I ask after swallowing. I look at each god's face, but I'm not understanding the joke. The little lanterns strung up on the garlands around the cottage brighten, chasing some of the shadows from the room. Ray's shines a beaming smile at me, and when I turn my head to study the other two gods, he kisses my neck. My heart pounds, making me feel more naked than I already am. Winter witch spelled me, Ray says. She's been keeping me in a cave not too far from here. You might have sensed me, but her spell was like a heavy blanket that kept me weak. This lovely little witch broke the spell. Ray's faces me, and with a squeeze of my hip, he stretches up to kiss my lips. You are a healing witch. You healed me when you broke the spell. You mean you weren't freezing, I asked? Hurt and slightly annoyed at the realization that I didn't need to warm him with my body, he tricked me. I was under her spell, but the spell began to weaken when you touched me. By the time we arrived here, I was gaining my strength back. Why then? I wanted to pull the covers over me, but they had fallen completely away, folded neatly at the foot of the bed. It was just so wonderful the way you took care of me. You did heal me. He kissed me again. Thank you. I sensed Blizzard and Whirlwind watching us. Whirlwind by the fire and Blizzard on the stool next to the bed. Ray's has been slowly, casually putting me on display for them. These gods all enjoy doing that. And I admit to myself, I like it too. How can we follow you on social media? The links to all my socials are on my website, meganlandon.com. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Blue Sky, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Still trying to figure out all the socials. So I'm easy to find. My handle is at meganlandonauthor for most of them. But everything is consolidated on my site. So I'm easy to find. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a treat. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. (laughs) It's time for Filth, the Erotic Book Review. Yeah. This is Filth, the Erotic Book Review. Greetings, erotica devotees. I'm Davina and I'm thrilled to introduce you to Filth, the erotic book review. In each episode, we delve into at least three manuscripts submitted by independent authors, singling out one of these titles for our prestigious star recommendation. These gifted authors have been eagerly anticipating our feedback for around a month. So let's kick things off with our first tantalizing selection. This is Abby's Pleasant Surprise by Sean Geist. I know you've probably already knocked me up, I said, as I lined up Sam's cock to my pussy, slick with my juices and his semen. But we have to make sure. We'll have to do this all night. You think you've got two or three more loads? 
Abby, babe, I'll fuck you until my balls are dry. Oh, that sounds like fun. I don't know what came over me. I was in a euphoric haze. My husband had invited another man into our bed, and he told him to breed me. I didn't know why he didn't wait to find out why I was having a hard time getting pregnant, but I wasn't going to question it now. Logan told Sam he could fuck me, and I was going to enjoy it. We'd discuss the repercussions when he got home in a few weeks. At the moment, Sam was in my bed, on his hands and knees straddling my body. Millions of his sperm were inside me right now, looking for an egg to fertilize. My body was buzzing. I looked up into his handsome face. His brown eyes burned with desire. His nostrils flared. I reached down and started stroking his cock, using our combined juices as lubrication. Before you fuck me again, I said, I'd like to get a taste of you first. Please do. Hold still. I slid down the bed until my face was lined up with his cock. It looked gorgeous. It was long and veiny, much longer than my husband's. I hope he knew what he was doing. I might not be able to give this up when he returned home. I gave his shaft a few long licks, from the base to the ridges of his crown. He tasted much different than Logan. He was sweeter and a bit tangy. My husband's cum had a slightly bitter taste, but I still loved it. Oh God, Abby, that feels good. Sam said, I hope so. I took Sam's cock back into my mouth, running my tongue along the edge of his crown. I could feel him twitch. Fuck, he said. You do that for much longer and I'm going to come again. I pushed my head up, taking more of Sam's cock into my mouth. I only stopped when I felt the tip push against the back of my throat. I guessed I had about a third of his length. In comparison, I could take all of Logan's cock with ease. Sam couldn't help himself and began thrusting his hips, driving his cock deeper into my mouth. I gagged but didn't stop him. No, he said. I have to stop. He pulled his cock from my mouth with a loud pop. I reached for his glistening shaft and stroked him. Don't worry about coming, I said. I loved the feel of his girth in my hand. I lick a dollop of pre-cum from the slit at his tip. But I thought I was supposed to get you pregnant. Oh, don't worry about that, lover. If you haven't already knocked me up, we've got a whole week to keep trying. Oh, shit. Sam's cock pulsed in the palm of my hand and he shot two ropes of cum all over my face before I was able to get my mouth around the tip to suck down the rest. God, Abby, you are such a great cocksucker. I swallowed my lover's load. That's what Logan tells me. I've got to thank him for sharing you. Later. Right now we have to get you hard again so you can try again to fuck a baby into me. Sam called a timeout. Sorry, Ab. We're going to have to wait. Let me get some water and a little nap and I may be up for it in an hour or two. I pouted but didn't complain. To be honest, my pussy was a little sore from the pounding he gave me earlier. I watched Sam walk away on his way to the kitchen. His body was gorgeous, with his broad shoulders and nice tight ass. I salivated as his cheeks flexed as he walked. I played with myself, rubbing Sam's cum along my labia. When my lover came back, I was going to have to have him lick me down there. Prove he's man enough to breed me. Logan loves to eat me out after he's climaxed inside me. 
Thinking of my husband, I grabbed my phone off the nightstand. I had ten text messages from my husband waiting to be read. Serves him right for springing this surprise on me. Not that I'm complaining too much. It was hot to be taken by surprise. Hey, we got cut off. You still there? Abby, we okay? Don't leave me in the dark, sweetie. Okay, I'm sorry for springing this on you and answer me, please. Okay, fine, I deserve this. Text me later and have fun. Tell Sam he better fuck a baby in you by the time I get home. God, I loved that man. I rubbed my stomach and imagined a baby growing inside me. I closed my eyes and pictured myself in the mirror. A baby bump forming. Abby and Logan, a happily married couple, decide to start a family after years of marital bliss. Despite struggling to conceive for several months, Abby contemplates adoption as a last resort. In a heartwarming gesture, Logan surprises Abby with the opportunity to fulfill her fantasies with the man of her dreams, leaving her utterly satisfied. Little does he know, a surprise awaits him as well. This is The Firm's Deception by L.T. Richards. I began stroking his firmness, but watched it grow a little more in my hand. I looked up into his eyes. Do you want to see my lips wrapped around it? I whispered. He nodded and began to breathe heavier. Put your hand on my neck and gently caress the back of it with your thumb. And whisper, I want you to put those pretty little lips around my cock. He complied and I slowly went down to kiss his tip, swirling my tongue around his head and then along his shaft. I looked up into his eyes. His chest heaved with each rapid breath. I smiled and then let his cock slip into my mouth. I gripped him tight with my lips and slowly slid up and down his shaft while swirling my tongue around his tip. He feverishly pushed his pants down, kicking off his shoes so he could take them off completely. Do you want me to look into your eyes? I asked. I kissed his shaft and made sure he could see my tongue, running along his bulging veins. Yes. He gasped. Let me know what you would like us to do. Don't be afraid to tell me. I'm turned on by someone who knows what they want, she said. Gaze into my eyes as you take me in your mouth. He softly replied. Not very confidently, but we could work on it. She slid her lips down his shaft and looked into his eyes. His hips began to move around, and I hoped it wouldn't be over too soon. I lifted and moved up to kiss his neck. Would you like to taste my pussy? He nodded so quickly I thought he might get whiplash. I kissed his lips softly and whispered, How do you get what you want? Lay down here. I want to eat your pussy. He said with a little more confidence. I eagerly lay down on the sofa, propping my head on a throw pillow so I could watch him. I enjoyed watching as much as being watched. He leaned in and began kissing my slit like he was kissing a balloon. He didn't use his hands. And then he licked through my center. Just when he found my clit, he left it to lick through me again. Then he kissed my thighs. I'm sure in college he was used to getting to the down and dirty, but based on his technique, I assumed he might need a little coaching, so I elected to tactfully assist. I reached down and spread myself open, exposing my pink flesh. He smiled down in amazement. I rubbed my clit with my index finger. 
Take your tongue and concentrate on my clit. Swirl your tongue around it slowly and alternate sucking on it. He leaned in as I held myself open for him to do as I instructed. I moaned as he enthusiastically devoured my clit. Soon I was close to an orgasm, but I needed more. Slip your fingers in my pussy and feel for the top of the inside and rub that gently with your fingers like you're telling someone to come here. I figured that was the easiest way to explain my G-spot for now. He followed instructions beautifully. I'm sure I gave him a refresher as he worked his tongue and fingers harmoniously. My hips began to gyrate against his mouth as though they had a mind of their own. Yes, I moaned and grabbed his head. Yes, that's it. Keep doing that. Don't stop. He kept licking and sucking my clit and pushing his fingers in deep. As I felt the pleasure building up inside me, I pressed him tightly against my most sensitive area. Then a wave of pleasure rushed over me, more intense than anything I had experienced in quite a while. All I could focus on was the intensity of my orgasm, drowning out everything else around me. Wow. He popped his head up to check on me. I smiled at the sheen around his mouth. That was great, I said. Remember how that works. There will be a test. He squinted his eye, confused. I'm joking. Just don't forget what you did. He smiled with pride. He looked down to watch his fingers continue sliding in and out of my now-soaked entrance. I smiled at his fascination and let him continue. I sat up slightly and rested on my elbows. What do you want to do now? I asked slyly. I want to slide inside of you. Was he serious? He could do better than that. I smiled and kept an upbeat tone as I said, At this point, you already know I want you, right? He nodded. So now, all you have to do is take me and do what you want. Be confident and determined. Even a little aggressive. I'll let you know if it's too much. I've rarely experienced anything that direct before. Well, not for a long time at least. He confessed. Geez, his cock better not get limp with that attitude. I wasn't finished yet. He tried to climb between my legs on the sofa. This wasn't going to work. Position me. Use me. Move me as you want or need. Just take control and take me as you want. I placed my hand on his chest. Trust me, you can't hurt me very easily. He nodded and paused for a moment, then grabbed my ass cheeks with both hands and pulled me to the edge of the sofa, pushing my legs back to my head. Brett, a strikingly handsome young engineer, dreams of a thriving career in a prestigious company. Grace, who has spent her life crafting an engineering empire, is an expert at delivering exactly what her clients crave. As a young engineer realizes he could be part of the product, what scandalous steps will he take? Will Brett uncover the firm's deception, or will he succumb to the company's manipulative plan for him? This is They Used Our Cheating Girlfriends by Cody Montgomery. Trying to cram his cock down her throat as far as she can. He grunts as she pulls back, her hand quickly working his shaft. Emily leans forwards and pushes her tongue into Beck's pussy. Beck's eyes bulge in surprise. Then she seems to melt a little. She reaches back and holds her friend's head in place, moaning as Emily licks her clit. That's fucking oh god! Smiling, Christo lifts his hips and thrusts his cock back into my girlfriend. Emily strokes Beck's bouncing ass, 
Smiling, she leans up to whisper to her. You taste amazing. Beck gazes at her friend longingly, and they kiss. I can't look away as their soft pink tongues dance. How many times I have I fantasized about watching them kiss? Many times. But not like this. Never like this. Christo is watching them too, and I can see that he's close. His body is stiffening, and he thrusts into my girlfriend with a new urgency. Beck breaks the kiss, gasping as his cock pistons in and out of her. Emily reaches down to stroke his bouncing balls and Christo swears, I'm gonna come in you now, he tells my girlfriend. Fucking give it to me. You want my come in your pussy? Please, please fucking, oh my god. She is bucking on him, her eyes closed, and he's holding her hips and slamming her down on the base of his cock. He grunts louder and louder, his strokes faster and faster. Emily is pushing her face into his balls, her tongue exploring him. Christo gives a last long groan and his body shudders. Beck whimpers, her hips spasming, her legs shaking. They grind against each other, and Beck pushes her tongue into his mouth. They rock together, their orgasms blending. That's amazing. I hear Emily whisper. A stark white droplet of cum squeezes out of Beck's wet cunt, and Emily licks it off Christo's shaft. Jesus Christ, somebody mutters miserably. Beck and Christo are still writhing as he releases every drop of his cum into her. My girlfriend's mouth is full of his tongue, and her pussy is leaking his cum. He works it into it, pushing relentlessly as Emily laps at his cock. Aren't you gonna stop? The voice whines again, it's Steve. He's standing on the grass just near the pool, not coming too close. His body sags with exhaustion, and his miserable eyes are fixed on his girlfriend, who is busy licking another man's cum out of her best friend's pussy. Think they're almost done, mate, Tiger tells him apologetically. Steve doesn't look at him. Mullet suddenly laughs loudly, pointing at Emily's boyfriend. I don't think he minds too much anyway. Crewcut and Tiger are laughing as well. Steve's dick is hard. He tries to hide it, but it's too late. It pokes up from behind his trembling hands. His knob is so purple that it's almost blue. Chilly willy there, mate. Mullet chuckles. Fuck you. Steve mutters. Think I'm good, actually. Mullet stretches. Your girlfriend fucked me enough. Fucked all of us enough. Were you watching us come and your girlfriend chilly willy? Steve doesn't reply. Crewcut snorts. Beck is whispering to Christo. His cock is still inside her but he has stopped thrusting. Emily stands up, licking her fingers. Damn, you did good, girl, Ox tells her, and she smiles at him. What about you? She says coyly. You like to watch? I liked watching you. He grins. His hand sneaks down to his shorts and grabs at his bulge. Christo is trying to stand up, and Bex lifts of him awkwardly. Her legs shake and she almost stumbles. Christo slid out of her way, and she ended up kneeling on the steps next to me. I can smell her sweat and sex, intermingled with a new scent that makes me feel sick. Him. How could you do that? I whisper to my girlfriend. How could you just, just? Emily has knelt down on the other side of Ox, and her hands push his away from his crotch. She glances up at me as she reaches into his shorts. She did it because his cock is gigantic. Emily tells me. Then she smiles at Beck. Like this one. She fishes Ox's hard cock out his shorts. Like the rest of him, it is thick and heavy, 
and Emily hums happily as she strokes her hand over it. The big man sighs, easing back onto the steps. Emily, for the love of God. Steve is creeping closer. Mullet, Crewcut, and Tiger follow, making no move to stop him. Ox can take care of himself. Emily shrugs and closes her eyes, bringing her lips down to Ox's thick shaft. He sighs again as she engulfs him. I notice Beck giggling as she watches her friend bear down on the fat cock. When Emily's head comes up again, she meets Beck's gaze. Abruptly, my girlfriend leans over me. I shy back from her naked, sweaty body, trying to ignore her breasts pressing against my thigh, her curved naked ass within reach of my hand. She meets Emily over Ox's lap and the two girls make out. Their kiss is long and luxurious and Ox sighs again. Emily breaks the kiss, her hand pulling at Ox's dick. She offers it to my girlfriend, who bites her lip, leaning back. Suck it, Christo says. His voice is serious and Beck looks at him surprised. Help her suck his dick. Beck's smile falters. But... Do it. Christo says, frowning. He nudges his own swinging cock. If you want this again, you'll make him come. Beck hesitates and Emily leans over and kisses her again. In a moment, both girls are smiling, and Emily guides my girlfriend's mouth down to Ox's cock. Ox laughs and gives Christo the thumbs up. Thanks, legend. I look over at Steve and he's watching me in despair. His hands have fallen limply by his sides and his skinny white cock is pointing at the sky. Beck moans hungrily as she sucks Ox's knob. Her breasts sway against my thigh as she moves back and forth. I want to push her away, to run, but I don't dare. If I stand up, they'll all see that I'm hard as well. Emily bends down and licks at his balls and the base of his shaft. Ox shifts his enormous frame, allowing her to get underneath his drooping sack. Beck's mouth is wide open, and she takes Ox's thick shaft almost all the way in to her throat. Emily's tongue works faster and faster, as Beck makes a choking sound, wriggling her head. When she comes up for air, Emily takes Ox into her mouth, and he thrusts into it. They share his cock back and forth. The giant tattooed man fucks my girlfriend's mouth as she leans over me. Emily licks the underside of his shaft and her tongue meets Beck's around his thick knob. After enjoying a warm spring night of drinking and dancing, Beck and our narrating protagonists decide to go for a swim at a public pool with their longtime friends, Emily and Steve. The fun atmosphere took a turn when a group of young tattooed men arrive. Despite Steve's and our protagonist's desire to leave, their girlfriends came up with an excuse to stay. And soon enough, their unfaithful actions unfold right before their eyes. We asked our star recommendation winning guest, Megan Landon, to help us review these three titles. Here are some of her hot takes. Abby's pleasant surprise. Abby and Logan want to have a baby, and after numerous failed attempts, Logan eschews the typical route of fertility medicine and launches into a whole hot wife scenario. Um, that's when things really get fun for Abby. If you like breeding kink, hot wife, loving couples, and baby making, this story's for you. It's 100% about baby making, and it's hot. The story starts with sex from page one, and the author does a great job with dirty talk. The sex scenes are fun and frequent, but not gratuitous, since the whole baby making plot revolves around sex. And Sean does a great job teasing things to come throughout the story. 
This is a light story with some hilarious interiority from the narrator. You'll hear a lot about fertile wombs, eggs, sperm, and fertilization, but it works with the storyline. I don't usually equate breeding kink with contemporary erotica, but this story does it really well. What I liked about the story was how it folded fertility concerns with the sex-driven plot. Sean manages to do this and stay light despite the potentially emotional subject. The Firm's Deception is a full-length novel that is reminiscent of the 1983 movie The Firm, based on the John Grisham novel of the same name. But there's a zaniness to the story that departs from the thriller vibe of the movie. Brett, a college graduate, is recruited by an engineering firm that doubles as a high-end secret sex club, where its star engineers are trained in the submissive arts and exploited by sexy wealthy women. Before his first day on the job, Grace, the CEO, and Taylor, an exec, have begun grooming Brett, without his knowledge, to work at the sex club. Trish, the HR director, is a young woman tasked with offering him a place to stay while he's looking for his own place and training him in that time. She agrees, and after his first day on the job, she begins his training. Although all sex in this novel is consensual, there is a persistent underlying deception taking place. Most of the novel covers a span of a month, so Brett's training is fast-tracked. The intimate scenes are regularly paced throughout the story, and we get to see different scenes in which Brett is seduced or trained by Grace, Taylor, or Trish. In addition to Brett's sex training sessions, we see hot interactions with the submissives of the club, and in that sense, the author does a good job teasing what's in store for Brett. We see the escapades of many other characters as well. There's a little bit of everything in this story. BDSM, ass play, scripted cuckolding scenarios, age play, scripted consensual non-consent, consensual abuse... Though the sex all works within the storyline, not every sex scene moves the story forward. Despite that, they do serve to showcase all the required scenarios at, that the club submissives can expect to encounter. Content warnings should include human trafficking, since the men are unwittingly recruited and groomed for male prostitution. The casual way that the calculated recruitment, grooming, and exploitation of the company employees takes place pushes the story into a dark erotic category. At a macro level, the recruitment objectives are deceptive and predatory, though on a micro level, all the men engaged in these activities are presented as willing and eager participants. They used our cheating girlfriends. I was conflicted by this story. It's a bullying, cuckold story where the narrator, the main character, doesn't come out the winner. Two young couples are swimming in a local watering hole when a gang of burly men draw the attention of the girlfriends. Um, a good time is had by all, except the narrator and his friend who are bullied and forced to watch as their girlfriends are thoroughly used by the tough and tattooed interlopers. While the sex is super hot and well described, none of the characters in the story are sympathetic. The storyline gave me all sorts of feels, and there is a definite angst on the part of the unwilling voyeurs. I'm a huge fan of angst, although personally I love Happily Ever After, the author did a good job capturing the heartache and the angst of the boyfriends. The story is left open-ended and I can't imagine that it's happily ever after for anyone except the sexy bad boys, who are quite satisfied in the end. Overall, it's a well-told story with great sex scenes. Um, I got cringy feels for the MC and his friend, who I ultimately didn't find sympathetic, but I don't think they were supposed to be, and for that, I think the author was really brave. Um, I'm really impressed with the story, which managed to make everyone look bad while providing some great sex. It was seriously hot. Personally, I think that takes real talent to accomplish. As a fan of complex feels, I thought the author did a great job. We asked our resident reviewing superstar, the Mizengs, to give these books the once over. Here are some of her thoughts. 
Abby's pleasant surprise. Although I found the idea behind this story intriguing, I believe that the delivery fell short. While it wasn't my top choice, I did appreciate the core concept. Typically, I am not a fan of cuck third wheel fantasies, but the way this one was portrayed made it more appealing to me. I find the idea of a couple, including a third person in their efforts to conceive, to be intriguing, and adds an extra layer of interest. However, the character Sam, the breeding buddy, was not introduced early on in the story. I think introducing him earlier would have helped me connect more with the plot. The sexual scenes are portrayed in a clinical way, lacking vivid sensory details or emotional depth, which gives them a mechanical feel. The firm's deception. I enjoyed how various elements of the story intertwined seamlessly. The idea of career-driven women in Silicon Valley engaging in activities at a sex club, Brett's perspective as a newcomer, and the backdrop of an office where some intriguing things are unfolding. Despite the complexity, the story was well executed. I particularly appreciated the assertiveness of these women, which heightened my enjoyment as a reader. The Secretum Dominationem appears promising, portraying these women as powerful and captivating figures. The lead-up to Taylor bringing Brett to the hotel was engaging, but I felt that the section involving graduation, job acceptance, and arrival could have been more concise. Nevertheless, I acknowledge the author's efforts and find the writing compelling, albeit this is a subjective observation. The shifts in point of view were effectively utilised to provide depth to the characters and their actions. Establishing this connection with the characters adds richness to the intimate scenes. The story maintains a good balance of descriptive passages, dialogue and insights into the characters' thoughts and emotions. However, I found the intimate scenes to be relatively short compared to the story's length, expecting them to be more detailed and prolonged. They used our cheating girlfriends. I appreciate how this story maintains a light-hearted tone throughout, despite its dark overtones. The conversations between the characters are engaging and well-written. This particular story was my favourite, although I found the introduction to be a bit lengthy. However, I did notice a discrepancy in the pacing. The transition from casual conversation to Steve's situation felt abrupt, and the involvement of the girls lacked sufficient development. The shift in dynamics felt sudden and slightly disjointed. Once the story picked up momentum, it was captivating. The steamy scenes were intense and fitting for the overall tone. The dialogue, including the explicit language, blended seamlessly with the narrative, effectively capturing the narrator's perspective. While the theme of forced cuckolding was unsettling, the dialogues were convincingly portrayed. The story felt grounded and realistic, but the excessive initial dialogue and build-up seemed unnecessary. Nevertheless, the payoff during the climax was satisfying. Scores time. Unfortunately, we are currently facing some internal disagreement as one of our top reviewers disagrees with the consensus of these scores. Let's be clear, we are dedicated to achieving excellence in erotica. It's evident that all of these titles have room for improvement. That being said, let's dive into the reviews. Abby's Pleasant Surprise gets a score of 4 out of 5. While it delivers excellent erotica, it falls short in developing characters, relationships, conflicts, and resolutions within its narrative. 
Despite a few minor typos in this short read, the book captivates with its steamy passion and direct approach, making it an easy-to-recommend read for fans of the genre. In conclusion, it's a better erotica book than a book in general. The Firm's Deception has achieved a commendable score of 3.8 out of 5, despite Mizink's delivering an exceptional review that ranks among the best in our podcast's history. However, this praise overlooks the numerous errors and inconsistencies that typically plague books of such length. Have you paid attention to the provided sample? Did anything strike you as peculiar? While the book's concept is intriguing, it suffers from excessive verbosity, interspersed with gratuitous sexual encounters. What I am inadvertently implying about Mizinks is their susceptibility to the allure of immersing oneself in a full-length novel. Such immersive experiences are undeniably appealing to readers. Nevertheless, I contend that this project may have been overly ambitious and would have benefited from being segmented into more digestible parts for the editing process. They Used Our Cheating Girlfriends has achieved a rating of 3.8 out of 5. This concise yet impactful read contains minor flaws that can easily be overlooked. Despite its unengaging single chapter format, the book prioritises narrating its sensual tale over developing its characters, although the voyeuristic third-person perspective it adopts lacks the allure one might expect. The narrative weaves a complex tapestry of intimate encounters and intricate emotions within the cut-cold genre, simultaneously shaming and arousing the main characters. While not without imperfections, the book excels in delivering on its promised elements, earning it a respectable score. For clarification, we proudly award Sean Geist our star recommendation for Abby's Pleasant Surprise. This title stood out as the most developed among the three featuring captivating erotica scenes that promise to keep readers coming back for more and eagerly anticipating the author's future projects. Interestingly, the Mizink considered this book her least favourite. Join us on Shh Extra Filth to discover why she rated The Firm's Deception 4.5 out of 5. Our heartfelt gratitude goes out to all the authors who submitted their works, and we extend a warm invitation to Sean, to grace us with his presence on the upcoming episode of All the Filthy Details. Links to these tantalizing titles can be found in the description. You're listening to All the Filthy Details. <laughs> the Miznicks will be doing a more critical, in-depth review of these books on our Patreon-only podcast, Shh, Extra Filth. It's time to hand you over to Christian Pan for another poll session. Welcome, everybody, to the next Pulse session. I'm delighted to be here with Simone Blue, author of Hot Revenge and Innocent Revenge, which just came out. Simone, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Christian. My pleasure. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is your book, Hot Revenge. Can you tell me a little bit about the premise of the book and also why it was taken down by Amazon. 
Well, hot revenge uh, it was obviously a little bit too hot to handle since uh, uh, Amazon didn't didn't quite like it. Uh, I published it two years ago now, uh, and it is erotica. Um, uh, I think it has it, it's also a lo- love story, but I think only two of the chapters don't have a hot scene in it. Uh, it's a uh, uh, I've always um, uh, advertised it as erotic. I never tried for it to be anything else. And it, it's about uh, um, a man who is very unhappy in his life and he decides to take revenge on his wife by seducing his stepdaughter. So it's a very naughty tale, very naughty. It's been um, loved by the readers, hated by a few. And I recently made an update to the back matter of the book just to um uh, to um, mention that i was uh, publishing innocent revenge uh, and that's when amazon decided no it's it's uh, it's it's violating our um, um our guidance for content and they blocked it yeah and i I'm so sorry that that happened, first of all. I'm so grateful I got a chance to read it. It is a very hot, erotic story, but it's fiction. And I think that's the thing that gets lost in this um, current uh, environment that that we're living in, that it's not as though this actually happened or you are endorsing this should be happening. It's just a made-up story. How do you feel like this kind of censorship is impacting you and other independent erotic authors? Well, I, I think you it hit um, hit the nail there. It, it is fiction, you know, and I'm all for artistic um, freedom and and I mean, if you have specific triggers, then don't pursue those triggers, you know. Um, like I hate scary movies, so I don't watch scary movies. If you don't like age gap in romance don't read books that have age gap in romance so i I think the censorship is um it's uh forced upon us um when i i don't see any harm in expressing ourselves um you know uh, when it's fiction you know it, it was completely different if it was in our daily lives, in, in real life, but this is fiction, so so I I, I find it difficult, um, and it's difficult to be creative, whenever you don't know where they will target you next. Yes, and I think the um, it's interesting how that kind of judgment about the subject matter is so prevalent within erotic genre fiction. But it's not the same in, say, crime fiction. Like, no one is saying, oh, this crime writer is advocating murder. Or Mm. science fiction, uh, oh, they're advocating blowing up planets that are inhabited by people. It's like, oh, no, that's made up. But when it comes to erotic fiction, suddenly there's a, um, a sense that it has to be as if we're dealing with real human beings rather than fictional characters. Do you feel like that censorship is coming primarily from these big tech companies or 
other writers or the public? I mean, what are your what's your take on how what's the source of this kind of um, censorship <laughs> or restrictions on your imagination? Um, I don't really have an answer for that because, but I do experience it uh, on all levels. You know, um, when I tell people about what I do. Um, uh, a, a lot of people would react negatively um, and have an opinion, a very strong opinion, even though they don't read my type of books. They don't um, necessarily understand that, that, you know, if, for example, the age gap, you know, or, or step family um, relations in fiction, that they are not able to see past um real life um uh, so they they judge me and my books even though they haven't read them yeah you know so so I, I get it on a personal level um but yes i think it's also forced upon us from these big companies like i tried to post on social media the other day about um innocent revenge my my next book and it has um Daddy Dome, Little Girl um, elements to it. It's kind of a, a revelation to them both in the book, uh, and uh, and and that is a lifestyle, you know, for for a lot of people. And uh, it's definitely something that is um, uh, a lot of erotic authors uh, focus on as well. But when I tried the hashtag um, and DD. Um, L, um, uh, LG. Then I got a message saying uh, we condemn child pornography. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. uh, that's a bit harsh. So you you get it from from all uh, um, all angles. Uh, well, from the big companies and from from uh, uh, people on the street. So it's uh, we live a difficult life. Yes, we do, and I think the. What's unfortunate is that the pornography and erotica, regardless of the medium, seem to be used interchangeably so that a, a work of fiction like one of your books, which involves nobody, is seen as equivalent as working with real people in a film where there's maybe an implication or a judgment that these people are all coerced or forced to do this against their will and this is terrible and pornography is bad and it's ruining the planet. Whereas I, I think there's a big difference between doing something with other consenting adults and something that's just emerging from your imagination, just like a photograph is not the same as a drawing. There's so many different kinds of details that our algorithms, uh, which are seem to be governing a lot of these distribution mm -hmm. Of erotic content yeah. is how do you how do you debate an algorithm mm -hmm. how do you have a conversation exactly. and your mind is um you you get turned on by so many different things in your mind things that you would never do in real life i mean we all heard uh, we all heard about the uh, stories of um women who have um rape fantasies you know and it turns them on but and they might like reading about it but in real life you know that's 
miles apart what you want. You want yes. a, a nice uh, husband or girlfriend who, who treats you nice, and but nothing like what you have um, in your head as your fantasy. So it's um, exactly, exactly when the um, when you are creating uh, innocent revenge after this experience with hot revenge. Did that impact or alter your writing process in terms of what sh can I write about this? Should I pull this back? Was there more of a um, thinking ahead about editing or censoring your writing impulses or were you just saying, I'm going to go for it? was finished at that, that point. I was um, uh, very close to just pressing publish. But did happen was that I've, I've mellowed a lot of the um, the keywords that I use and descript the descriptions of the book. So I feel that I'm doing false advertisement at the moment because I'm advertising a romance book when it's a lot spicier than that. Mm. So um, I'm afraid that I'm going to attract an audience that are not ready for the spice level in the book. And I mean, it's the book it, it has manipulation and and religious sexual um uh, 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 connotations and it's uh it's not for everyone yeah <laughs> so um i am nervous about that that i am i'm yeah advertising something that the the readers will not get well i hopefully when they do read your work that they will enjoy the spice as i have um, congratulations on both of your books. I understand that Hot Revenge is still available as a paperback. Readers and listeners who want to learn more about Simone and her work, please check out the links in the show notes and support all of your writers and their imagination. Simone, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Christian. Thank you. Remember, anyone can submit their audio for a poll session segment. We just ask that you keep the audio under seven minutes and the subject matter tasteful. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Let's play you all some more erotica. This piece is from Pornica Assums, Fast Track Fuckers. Enjoy! This is a partial story for all the filthy details. Head on over to the Patreon for the full audio. Links are in the description. Meet my new match. Thinking of what he has in store and the excitement I will have during the course of my weekend. Swingles has really grown on me as I find myself telling my colleagues about my newly found hobby. The weekend event has really changed my sex life as I see myself having fulfilling sex every week and meeting new people. That alone makes my heart warm anytime I think of it. This weekend at the Swingles, is a captivating experience unfolding like a page from a fantasy novel. There are melodic tunes of the jazz band, and the dance floor is open to anyone ready to lose themselves in the vibe of the night. As I moved through the crowd, the laughter and clinking glasses made me think we were celebrating something new. Then, amidst the diversity of faces, my eyes locked onto someone new. He was sighted across the table just like my previous matches. He aroused my sense of curiosity. A quiet confidence that drew me in. Our eyes met, and in that moment, it felt like the world around us faded into the background. The music became a distant hum as we stepped toward each other, propelled by the invisible force that often accompanies unforeseen encounters. 
With a big smile on his face, he asked, Care for a dance? As the evening grew to become night, we had a series of conversations that were curvy like a lazy river. His laughter was with a warmth that felt like a familiar grasp. In those short glances, I glimpsed the promise of something more than I'd encountered. He told me stories about his love life and how he has been manipulated by a lot of ladies. I also shared my stories with him, telling of how boring my sex life is before the swingles. Everything seemed to slow down as we conversed, and the ordinary became extraordinary. With every step on the dance floor, we both started to rewrite some narratives as we shared this unforeseen connection. As the night drew to a close, we both felt cozy and found our way to our reserved room. We both shared seductive glances, and I could see he was shy, waiting for me to make the first move. I walked up to him and said to him slowly, Let's have sex. Those words seemed to have unleashed the sexual beast in him. He kissed me, and I opened my mouth to invite his tongue to slide over mine. We kissed harder, lust flaring as he slid the hem of my dress up my legs. Bloody hell, he muttered when the kiss broke, and he stepped back a pace, turning me around so he could look at my backside. No knickers, he said, his breath wafting over my neck. I moaned and squirmed when he nibbled the scoop of flesh where my neck met my shoulder, and his fingers pushed between my legs from behind. Widening my stance, the heels I wore digging into the thick pile of the carpet, I groaned. Touch me, I'm so hot down there. Fuck. I heard him sigh. You're so smooth and so wet. And what an ass. I can't believe how tight your pussy is. It's yours today. I breathed as I pushed myself onto his fingers. I'm your princess, your little girl. You can do anything you like. I think it was my statement that made him unleash on me because a second or two after surrendering myself, I found myself kneeling, my ass bare and at his mercy, while he squatted and peeled the cheeks apart with his fingers. I heard him groan and curse a swear word a moment before he surprised me by sliding his tongue through the lips of my pussy splitting them as he licked me from clit to sphincter. I squealed and giggled with delight when his tongue wriggled into my anus. It felt so wet and ticklish back there, so dirty and wrong, which only made it better. I love breaking the rules, and his tongue in my ass was definitely amazing. You're fucking gorgeous, he said after kissing the cheeks of my ass. So sexy, he moaned. I've been dying to see you. I've been wanking and thinking of the time I'd finally get you up here, in my arms. I'd love to watch you wank, I replied, craning my neck to look back at him. When I saw the hunger in his expression, my pussy melted. I wanted to feel him there inside me. I wanted his tongue, his fingers, and his cock. Kiss me, I sighed. Please, kiss me so I can taste my own pussy. Oh, Jesus he muttered. His eyes rolled and he rose to his feet. With gentle yet urgent force, he rolled me onto my back and unzipped. Here it is, he growled. I'm going to make you happy with this. He was enormous, not too huge, but so fucking hard, and it seemed to me, as I lay there and stared that cock right in the eye, that his hard-on throbbed with malevolent power. The look in his eye as I stared up at him deliberately wide-eyed and chewed my bottom lip 
told me I was bang on the money. Anthony stroked his cock and leaned over me. We kissed again, and this time I moaned and sighed into his open mouth while he pawed at me with his free hand. I love tasting my own pussy, I said, as I opened my legs and showed him the hot, bubbling slash of pink between my legs. I especially want to suck it off your cock after it's been inside me. Anthony's throat worked as he swallowed, his eyes rolling while his fist began to work harder along his length. You're listening to all the filthy details. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want more, remember, you can find us on Patreon. You'll be getting content and supporting future shows. Bye for now, sexies.